Hello, and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this episode, I'm interviewing Beth Janery, CEO, that's Chief Executive Officer, and founder of Titan, as we talk about the value of conscious leadership. This podcast will be of interest to anyone involved in C-suite, that's Chief Executive or Chief Financial Officer or Chief Marketing Officer positions within companies, but also anyone interested in how they perceive themselves as a leader within their family, their group, their community, or any kind of business operation at all. Beth runs a woman-owned small business and is involved in strategic communications, working with Fortune 100 companies to improve their storytelling, their communications, and their promotion of themselves in their chosen market. Beth describes herself as an advisor and in fact gave that name to part of her company's operations. She's also a life coach and we talk about that and what it means to be living a conscious life rather than one where we're not sure or not aware of what's going on around us or even within ourselves. This episode gives you the opportunity to compare two contrasting accents, that of a female North American accent uh, using obviously American English and a British English accent from the north of England. It's interesting to note the differences between us. Hello Beth and uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm very uh, pleased, delighted that you've joined me and uh, really looking forward to our discussion around leadership and coaching and advising people who require or want coaching and basically looking at all aspects of that within both professional spheres and in people's personal lives as well, which I think is just as interesting. So could you say just a little bit about yourself, Beth, where you are and uh, how this topic interests you? I sure can. And thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be with you, John. Uh, I'm in Northern Virginia. So for those who don't know the area, it's um, right outside of Washington, D.C., the capital of the U.S., and I've been here many, many years. It's it's where I call home, um, but I actually grew up in New England, out in, in Massachusetts. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and uh, is it nice uh, weather with you at the moment? We're in December at the minute, so is it is it growing cold? It's growing cold, and it's I guess festive, you know, <laughs> tis the season. Everybody's kind of getting in the holiday cheer. We have our, we celebrate Christmas. So we have our, our Christmas tree up. I have two daughters who are uh, 23 actually and 18. And so, um, you know, they're in and out and we just have a great time, especially this season. Lovely. And uh, any grandchildren yet? I, I didn't ask you that before. No. <laughs> Personal, but so. No. no, you just made me a lot older, <laughs> yeah. but no. Um, no, but you know, one day I definitely hope to be a grandma, yes, I only... but I think I've got at least a good decade. Oh, okay. You're fine. Yes. I've just become <laughs> a grandfather for the first time this year. So my grandson will be celebrating his first, well, he's one just now. He did actually have, uh, he was three weeks old, I think four weeks old when he had his uh, first Christmas. So it's his second Christmas, but the first where I think he'll realize something special is going on. Oh, that is so yeah. special. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Uh, Sky, my eldest, is a December baby. She was born December 29th. Uh -huh. And so I often call her December Sky. Oh, and I, yeah. And so um, I'm so happy for you, John, to be a grandfather. Congratulations. 
Thank you. So shout out to baby Rafi. There you go. Oh, um, hi, baby Rafi and family. <laughs> Thank you. So you are Chief Executive Officer, CEO of Titan. Can you say a little bit about what your company does, please, Beth? I, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, I left the corporate world um, as a full-time employee and became a risk taker, as my friends like to call me. Mm -hmm. And I started um, what's called a woman-owned small business in the in government contracting world, it's called a WASB. Um, but I serve both the public and the private sector. We do strategic communications. So basically for any company that needs storytelling and content, which is just so important these days for branding, really kind of getting company stories out there. Um, and then I also do uh, advising for Fortune 100 level executives and for their companies I call that the advisor that's kind of the second part of the launch of my company that started um, about a year into it mm -hmm. and then there's a third element uh, life coaching so I've just launched it for basically anybody who wants to find their purpose mm -hmm. so you know living a conscious life being a leader doesn't have to be only for executives Okay. Uh, the sound just dropped a little for us there. So I'll just repeat it. You said life coaching, didn't you? I did. I said life coaching. And honestly, for a while, I was really fighting that term because uh -huh. I like, I think advising, right? It sounds so much fancier, but yes. <laughs> what the truth is, you know, coaching, it's, it's a real profession and I, I've benefited from it incredibly, mm -hmm. um, especially launching my own business. And so I thought, you know, why not make it accessible for anyone who wants to find their own purpose? That's really great. So we'll touch on that within the podcast and we'll also talk through different models of leadership. You have an intriguing one. I want to find out more about the S2R2 model, which you've developed. So can you say, first of all, if someone were to ask you what kind of leader you are, how would you describe yourself? Oh, I love this question. I picked a word for 2022 and I picked the word presence. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my, my whole world just expanded. I, I am a conscious leader. I'm a present leader. And it's all I've done this year. I've written books about it. I've advised about it. And it's something that it's not outside of us. It's nothing that you're going to find. It's nothing you're going to buy. It's just an awareness and an observation of yourself that you can apply to anything. You can apply it to a business deal. You can mm -hmm. apply it to interacting with your children when you're frustrated. It is just being a conscious human being, having that awareness. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my favorite word this year has been presence. Um, and I use the words interchangeably. So uh, synonyms, I guess, um, mm -hmm. presence and conscious. Yes. Um, people talk about drawing this line, don't they? A horizontal line and above it, you've got presence and below it, you've got drama. So you're very definitely living the positive life above that line of inquiry, if you like. 100%. I do not like drama. So, and it's funny when I am advising very quickly, oh my gosh, people really like their drama. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it can be a high level executive, right? They're in it with their C-suite. They are, you know, hammering things out and they're engaging and he said, she said, or why the stakeholders this or why the board that, or, you know, all the reasons, all the reasons why something's not getting done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we take a step back and we're like, wow, that's a lot of drama. And I get it because I used to be like a moth to a flame mm-hmm. for chaos, you know, probably a good, you know, a good couple of decades ago. I just, I just loved living in chaos. I don't love getting, living in chaos anymore. I, no. I, I can smell the drama and I, I stay away from it, but you know, it's fun because being conscious, you know, really means like having this awareness and when you can apply it to a situation really quickly, you can see the drama mm-hmm. so obvious when somebody else is going through it. Right. But not always easy when we find ourselves in it. Mm-hmm. Is this because in the drama below the line world, we live on this kind of ego driven victimhood or we're the perpetrator even we're, we're sort of enjoying the thrill of it all, but actually it's eating away at us, but it is sort of a natural state, isn't it? It's there to defend us. Yeah. So it's almost like this primitive brain that we have that, you know, there could be, it doesn't have to be gossip drama. There could be, let, let's just take an example and I could even walk through a model. Mm-hmm. One of, one of the, the S2 R2 solutions that you mentioned earlier. So yeah. let's just take, an example of somebody who wants to start a, their own company. They want to leave corporate and they want to start their own company, or maybe they're even a stay-at-home parent and they they feel like there should be something more they should be doing. So they mm-hmm. want to start something new. All of a sudden, that's an exciting dopamine rush. I'm going to start my own business. Mm-hmm. But then that primitive brain takes over. I call it like the caveman brain where yes. it worked at one at one time in your life you needed to protect yourself. You needed to stay safe. You needed your brain to say, hold on, here's all the obstacles in the way. Let me protect you. Mm-hmm. But now, like I like to operate with this, pre, the, the, the front part of the brain, I think prefrontal cortex, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but I just call it the front part of the brain where I say, hey brain, how am I gonna start my new business? How am I gonna hit these numbers? How yes. am I going to pay my bills? And then all of a sudden, I can tell my primitive brain, my scared caveman brain, you know, go back in your cave. You're fine. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Let's go. Let's get to work and let's figure out all the ways that I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And then when I can start using that front part of my brain that's created for, you know, outcomes and goal setting and problem solving, all of a sudden I can just come up with hundreds of ideas about how I'm going to make it happen. Yes. So, right. And and all that drama about starting your own company or whatever the situation might be, it's so unnecessary, mm-hmm. but it is natural. Like you said, it's kind of like a default pattern, but we can break that. The second I start to find myself um, I can feel it, like almost like fear creeping, mm-hmm. fear of the unknown. That caveman brain takes over. Yes. And I'll have to kind of like settle it down a little. Be like, don't worry. You know, it's 2022. It's almost 2023. Yes. We're going to figure this out. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about 
where our food's going to come from, where, how we're going to eat tonight. I got this. Yeah, we have a phrase in British English. I don't know if it uh, translates well into American English, because as people say, we are a couple of nations divided by a common language. But we say, uh, apart from feel the fear and do it anyway, which I think was the title of an American book, we say, um, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if I do do this, what could really go wrong? What could really go bad? Now, you can exaggerate that into I could lose my house, you know, I could lose my job, I could lose all my money. Well, those are extremes. But before that, the kinds of things that would happen, you might lose face, you might become a little embarrassed, you might try something and it might fail. But actually, what would you gain? What would you learn? That's really where we should be exploring the space. Oh, bring it on. Like, I want to feel all the fear in the world. And also, you know, failing, like, people are so afraid to fail, bring mm -hmm. that on. Because when you fail, like when I fail, like a hundred times in a day, that just gets me closer to a yes. It gets me closer to success. It shows me like, I don't really have to worry about anything because if this is the worst thing that's going to happen, mm -hmm. which is basically just a feeling, I'm just going to feel like crap. You know, when you fail, like nothing really happens. And then you pick, pick yourself up, you know, what did I learn here? And then, and then keep going. So, so that, that S2R2 model or solution, mm -hmm. um, you know, you had mentioned the drama, but you could take, so the first S is for a situation. You could take any situation that you're going through. It could be a work situation. So maybe for the listeners right now, they can think about some situation they're really struggling with. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about this as like a challenge. How about somebody who thinks they haven't got enough time in the day to do everything they need to do and they feel they're failing everywhere? Okay, perfect. I love it. Um, yeah, and that's a real situation so many of us can relate to. So the situation is really, um, you're busy. You got a lot going on, right? And then the story that we tell ourselves, that's the next part of it. Mm -hmm. We can tell ourselves in, in sort of this unconscious mode of thinking like i've got so much to do i i'm so exhausted i'll never get all this done um and then what happens from that place that story that we tell ourselves you know like that victim mode i'm the only person that has to do all of this i'm never going to make it then the r that's the the reaction how do we start to react we start to um take these actions and have these reactions that are not at all helpful. Mm -hmm. We maybe start to watch Netflix and <laughs> and not do the things on our list. Or maybe we start to spend or some people will escape into the drink or into they'll overeat, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe they'll get into an argument with their boss. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. And then the final R is the result or the outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, what does that get you? it gets you nowhere. It gets, it gets you just perpetuating that cycle. So if you can just start that whole process over, and, and this is why I call it the S2R2 solution, mm -hmm. because the solution starts, the situation's the same. You're busy. You got a lot to do, but then the story is the part that we change. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something like, I get to do all of this. I'm a mm -hmm. leader of my own life. Yes. I have, I can handle this. 
Let's go. I am ready to take on the world. Start to tell a new story. And all of a sudden from that place, from that story, that new story, that it's not just toxic positivity, it's real. You're just changing your thought process. And from that place, a new reaction starts. So now we yes. get into the art. Yeah, is this because that we position ourselves differently? We put ourselves almost on one hand outside ourselves looking in, a bit like autoscopy that you can sometimes get, even with near-death experiences where I've had this, you're floating on a ceiling looking down at yourself. But with this, you're you're in some way trying to become in control of your thoughts so that you know you can build a positive future for yourself. But that's actually quite a conscious decision to take, isn't it? You are living now in a completely conscious solution. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts are more conscious and then your reactions to that new story become more positive. They become more um, uh, empowering. And then the, the final R, the final results or the outcome becomes something completely different. Like one woman I was coaching uh, this past week she was so overwhelmed. She mm -hmm. had so much to do and she was caring for her child. She's also a therapist. She's also um, trying to build a business. She has a book she wants to write, but she was in it. Yes. And she changed that one story in her brain from, oh, I have all this I have to do to I get to do this. I mm -hmm. get to be the leader of my life. And then by the end, the art the R that results line, her outcome was actually gratitude. Yes. She went from being completely unconscious, just going through life like a sleepwalker to being fully conscious, get, getting off of our coaching session, like ready to go and conquer the world. It was beautiful. And did she describe herself as feeling energized by the end of your coaching session? Because that's what many people report. They actually feel warmer in their body. They have this kinesthetic sense that they can feel the reaction, but it's a bit like recharging a battery. You know, it gets warm for a phase and you feel as though you've got more life in you, more energy to do things. doesn't mean to say you're going to do everything, but at least your mind is set to attempt things in a more positive uh, frame, if you like. Yeah, I, so I had her close her eyes when she was very unconscious and I asked, how does that feel? And she felt a tightening in her chest, a tightening mm -hmm. in her throat. Her fingertips felt numb. She felt very anxious and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then when we, when we went into the place of consciousness and awareness, the same exact um, situation, she was just changing her thought process and changing the story. She said that she closed her eyes and she said she felt empowered. Mm -hmm. I And within a span of five minutes, and all she did was just change up her story. Mm -hmm. yeah, amazing. You've yeah. mentioned that um, your company is focused on women, but I, I presume you work with men as well. Would you say that male ego is something that's really got to be addressed in the boardroom of some of these Fortune 100 companies? Or do you feel we've made a lot of progress there and has it gone far enough? I love that you brought that up. So while I am, you know, a woman CEO, I, I also just, love just being a CEO. I just love being just a business leader. I don't, I don't focus too much on male or female. I think mm -hmm. that um, just in general, as leaders, there is some unconsciousness going on in the world and that mm -hmm. kind of that old hierarchical, 
hierarchy, I can't speak tonight, mm -hmm. that whole, that hierarchy of kind of the way it used to be. Yes. It, it has to transform into, into a new leadership, a new, more conscious leadership. Like we need, yes, we need more women in the, on boards. We need more women in C-suites. We need uh, gender equality, all of that. But no matter who it is, male or female, we have to step out of our out of our ego mm -hmm. in order to shift into being becoming fully aware and fully present. And I think about the value of that metamorphosis as a complete transformation that anyone could have. I I've worked with incredible male leaders and I've worked with, you know, wonderful women leaders as mm -hmm. well. So um there is kind of this old school kind of thinking. And I, I just think it's a little bit like the dinosaur ages that we've mm. got to get out of that mindset. Um, I get a little frustrated, you know, even on LinkedIn, when I look at, and I, and I've worked in the aerospace and defense industry. So, I mean, I've been the only woman in many, many rooms since the nineties. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I've worked with incredible people, but they're, there is a little bit of lip service, I think, right now where companies are saying that they're paying attention to diversity and equity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And yet still on LinkedIn, I just see a bunch of suits, a bunch of white guys in suits. Yeah. Like, come on, guys, like, let's really change. You know, let's walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's critical that, that we get that change. From what you said about the, the conscious leader, do you feel that this is part of or connected with the whole shift that we're gently, slowly seeing of increased emotional intelligence from increasingly, hopefully, men? It's always been there, I think, and very well expressed by women. But men are beginning to learn that they actually don't just need to be bright. They need to be very sensitive, very aware, very caring, but equally very forceful. And that there are misunderstandings of what emotional intelligence is, but also what it isn't. Um, how do you see the connect between what you do and emotional intelligence generally? Right. I love that question. So with, with leaders that I work with, just that term emotion can kind of set them off a little bit. Yeah. You know, they historically felt like these feminine traits as being soft skills, whereas mm. the masculine traits are kind of the hard skills. And the most beautiful, most profound shift that I, that I see happen is when a leader can, you know, not just set their ego outside, but really kind of crush it mm -hmm. and, you know, realize like, yes, bringing emotional intelligence into it is major, of course, but also, um, you know, you can be a compassionate and you can be a kind human being mm -hmm. at work. You can be that way in the boardroom. You can be that way in the C-suite. And you can make a ton of money. You know, it's not one or the other. It's not mm -hmm. like you have to, can, can I swear on this? I don't want to uh, swear. I think you'll be fine. We have a largely <laughs> adult audience. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, you don't have to be an asshole to be a moneymaker. Um, mm. In fact, in conscious leadership, it shows that um, the value of it in the C-suite is you get higher employee retention and engagement. When a leader leaves uh, a company, it's close to a million dollars of investment that the company mm -hmm. loses. Um, so imagine if if all companies could find ways to keep their leaders around, 
um, to make them be more conscious and more present. Um, but it's not just emotional intelligence, right? It's really mm -hmm. smashing that ego yes. um, and, and kind of mastering that consciousness. And it can happen right now. Somebody listening to the, this podcast can make a decision to just do better and to be better and to say, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be more aware. They can just close their eyes, do a bit, a quick body scan, pay attention to their fingertips, mm -hmm. take a deep breath. You know, it, it's, it sounds like a very, very simple and a little like woo woo, but um, it truly, truly can just bring present to presence to the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had, I've had leaders tell me that I need to grow fins and teeth. Like mm -hmm. I need to toughen up if I'm going to be in the C-suite. And what I have found is actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. I, I'm an empath. Um, in the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. That's mm -hmm. um, if anyone knows about Myers-Briggs, you know, that's a pretty rare personality type. And it's, in, um, it's also an introvert. You know, that's not the type of leader you typically think that you're going to see. Um, um, but, but I've, I've had for coaching. Yeah. Yeah. But for coaching. Oh, yeah. The active listening, yeah. um, being fully present. But the most interesting thing that I see happen with leaders is they get to a point when maybe they're making the millions and, and billions even, but something inside of them is dying. Mm -hmm. Like they just, like they've made it to the top. They've climbed all the rungs on the ladder, but they're like, is it? And yeah. now, and now they're at the top, but now they have to, you know, go and brief the board. And, or maybe the private equity firm that owns them. And so they're, they're never, ever happy or truly satisfied. And this could be for that CEO, or it could just be the person listening right now in their own home. Yes. That just feels like, is this all there is? To find consciousness, to find true presence and to put awareness in your life, it, it, it can happen in an instant. It can mm -hmm. happen right now. Mm -hmm. And it just means making a decision to say, okay, I am a human being, not just a human doing. Yes. And kind of bring those, both of those worlds together. It's a very important distinction to make. Many people at the moment are suffering from burnout, aren't they? They're, they're simply trying to do too much too soon, too quickly, probably with not enough support. And one of your advice uh, elements is to slow things down. Can you say a bit more about that, Beth? Sure. So <laughs> I'm um, I'm like the reformed overachiever. I mean, no joke. I I'm a perfectionist. I take massive action. Like I I get a lot done. Um. But there's those moments where I have to just stop myself and just completely be still. And it's in those moments where I unplug, I get out in nature, take a walk and stop doing and start being. Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments that are the most creative. It's actually so counterintuitive that you would think, you know, keep going, keep achieving, keep setting your goals, keep 
hitting your outcomes, go, 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 mm -hmm. achieve, achieve, achieve. But it's in the moments where I, I truly just stop and listen and unplug and slow down. And from that place of grace, that is where all the creative creativity comes from. Mm -hmm. It's from mm -hmm. that place that the idea for my business was born. It was from that place, you know, just a walk in the woods that I had the idea to become an advisor that mm -hmm. leaders needed this. That came from a place of quiet. It didn't come from a to-do list or a brainstorming list. It came from silence. Yes. And so that, imagine. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just that I'm going to connect that to an increase in spirituality, really, which I think, again, the word a bit like emotion being spiritual scares some people. But I think we have a lot to learn from other cultures, other parts of the world, places where the self is not diminished or reduced, but is taken in balance with the natural world and with others, other people around us taking their needs into consideration and a balanced view of that and realizing, you know, you're not alone. You are part of a, a more complex organism. Even if you don't think that uh, there are other people around you, there are always other people around you in some sense. So recognizing that is, is an important step along this process of creating your future self, which you can change, can't you? You're not fixed for life as some mm. psychologists believe you can change at least the context in which you're operating and how you're doing things. I think that's an important message to get across. Yeah, I think so too. I think that we are so limited by our past experience that we think, well, I can't do that because I haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. Or, well, I don't have that experience. If we based our future on our past, we would only be repeating our past. Yeah. Think about like all the inventions that have been created or um, all of the just, just incredible innovation that has happened. That all came from somebody probably, I want to imagine unplugging, taking a walk in the woods, mm -hmm. sitting by the ocean, you know, wherever they are, maybe, yeah. you know, just contemplating and going, wait a second. What if now? Or making a mistake, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Making mistakes and failing. And that's not something that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Like most people that are considered successful, they've been fired from jobs. Mm -hmm. They have failed many, 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 many times. All we hear about is, especially in this culture, is just the success. Yes. I mean, I, I can't tell you if there's somebody listening right now and they think, well, you know, she sounds pretty successful or she sounds like she has it together. You know, guess what? Like I've had to go through so many no's, so mm -hmm. much failure and just pick yourself up again. Keep going. Just keep going. And then this idea of creating my future self. Mm -hmm. So for the person listening that wants to create like their future, I believe it doesn't come from our past. I believe it comes from this present moment right now. If my brain can imagine it, I can create it. Mm -hmm. I just have to put that, that survival brain back in the cave and just pay attention to the how and say, okay, like, how am I going to do this? Yes. An important oh, thing to say is though, you still got to do something, haven't you? Because there is a view that you just have to wish it and it will happen or pray for it. And it will happen, <laughs> but that's not what you're yeah. saying, is it? Right. I, absolutely. So 
you know, to manifest, we not only do you have to envision it, you have to believe it mm-hmm. to actually believe it. And then you have to take some massive action to make it happen. Yes. And in yeah. that, right, in that massive action, it means, you know, failing. So I find for every, I don't know, maybe every one yes, I get at least 10 no's. Mm-hmm. So imagine if I stop at the seventh no, I would never get that yes. Correct. And so for, for someone who's listening and they're like, yeah, but you know, not, not for me or, well, I don't have the experience or I don't have the credentials. Um, yeah, you do. Like you've got it. It's in your mind. You're thinking mm-hmm. it right now. So mm-hmm. let's create a new story. Yeah. You still got to have that persistence, haven't you? And another key word at the moment, resilience, uh, the ability mm-hmm. to take the knocks. It's your attitude to that and, and your response to that, as you said earlier with the R2, how you respond to that is critical and reframing it into a positive, okay, I may have failed, but I must have learned something from this. What was the lesson that I was being taught there? Because it may be that that lesson is being repeated and I need to do things differently. Yeah, I find that if I don't pay attention to that lesson, (laughs) it keeps repeating over and over until I do. And then all of a sudden, what'd you say? It comes knocking on your door again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there it is again. Oh, now I'm suffering so much. Oh, I think I'll pay attention now. And yeah. sometimes it, it is really through that suffering that we create change. So if, you know, someone is truly suffering right now or they're in pain, I just say, bring it on. Like, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. from that place of suffering that we can truly awaken. Yeah. And you applied this uh, in some of your work to very personal relationships, didn't you? Even the the search for love with people wanting to find a relationship with somebody, taking it out of the work context, probably, and thinking about how seeing yourself differently can affect the way other people see you. Uh, could you say just a little bit more about that towards towards our end? Mm, that's so interesting. Well, so I have a, a just a personal situation where it, it took me a little while to realize, but... Um, you know, I had been in a relationship with someone that I'm like, oh, this is my person. Oh, this is it for sure. And that was my story. Well, their story was, um, I don't think I was their person. (laughs) And um, we were in different spaces of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't, um, you know, necessarily aligned. Maybe it was different time, different place, you know, who knows what, maybe they're just not that into you. They, he just wasn't that into me and that's okay. But it was that, um, I don't know. I just think like love conquers all, right? So I'm, aren't we all so lucky just to have a, a moment to share love with somebody, to be capable, to see what we're capable of. And I know this is getting a little bit off track with, with the leadership conversation, but I think that there's a place for that um, in the workplace as well. Mm-hmm. If we could just meet everybody with wherever they are with love and compassion, mm-hmm. um, even even if they don't want to stick around, even if they're not offering it to us, even if they're engaging in negativity or they they can't offer us love, maybe that's not where they are. Mm-hmm. What if loved anyway? Yeah. And if we define it as kindness, of course, we know that most people leave a job because of their manager. 
not because of the company itself, a very direct problem they might have with the person supposed to be giving them guidance, advice, support. Now, you could call it love, but somebody people would object to that. But certainly, Kindness. you know, guidance, which was supposed to be improving their career. If they don't feel they're getting that and progression opportunities, then people begin to think, well, why am I here? You know, I just don't like this person. I can't stand who I'm becoming. I'm going to leave. And that's what they do. Sometimes all it takes is to just stop and listen to a person. Just be an active listener to stop talking, you know, open your ears. Tell me more. How does that feel? How are you doing? What's going on for you? We we're so busy. Like we just don't take the time to think, you know, what somebody else might be going through. You know, it, it's been talked a lot about, but I just have so much compassion for the parents who were at home raising children during COVID when, you know, they didn't have any childcare in their homes it's not like there's been a break. It's not like the world has said, hey, everyone, look, take a month off mm -hmm. and then hit the reset button and we'll get back to it. I mean, everyone is just, just exhausted. Yes. <laughs> and so the more compassion that we can show, the better. And if it can start, you know, I, I'm like, what the heck? Let me just go for the very top. Let me advise, you know, every leader needs an advisor. Right. Mm -hmm. So let me lead the leaders. What if every Fortune 100 company could become more conscious and then it trickles down mm -hmm. to the, you know, the next size company and then all the employees. And then, I mean, we truly could be entering a completely new shift in consciousness mm -hmm. or we could be going in the other direction. Yes. But I, you know, in my, in my most recent article um, in Forbes, and this isn't mine, I got this from a coach I work with, but I talk about this dog whistle that it's like hearing a dog whistle in the forest. Like mm -hmm. my people are going to hear the dog whistle, the people I'm supposed to work with. Yes. The, the people that want to be conscious, the ones who don't, they're not going to get it. I had somebody recently I was talking to about um, advising and they said really nasty. Like, well, were you a CEO? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, well, do you have a hundred million dollar growth company? What am I going to learn from you? Yes. And I wanted to get defensive and be like, I'm not your financial advisor. <laughs> I'm your conscious leader. Like, I'm not here to teach you about finances. But, you know, I just took a step back and I realized like, they don't get it. They're not no. ready. They're not, not ready, ready for the message. Yeah. yeah. And so the ones that I'm supposed to be working with, they find me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is your point about the simple question or simply phrased short words, where am I now? Where am I in terms of my life, the status of who I am, what I think about myself, where I'm going next? Many people don't give themselves the, the luxury or the pleasure of that time to ask that question. Just where are they and, and you know what do they think about where they are and how do they feel about themselves? Do you think that that's the beginning of this journey or is it the end of it? Uh, I think that is so beautiful. If any listener is just starting to contemplate, like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Is there more I should be doing? You know, just starting to ask those questions, that is bringing awareness. That's inviting awareness, consciousness, and presence into your life. Mm -hmm. And you know, it can be five minutes a day. It can be, um, you know, you don't have to sit cross-legged on a carpet 
and chant. You can just take a walk with your dog. You can hold the hand of your child. And one of my spiritual teachers, Eckhart Tolle, he always says, I am. Mm -hmm. He ends there. He doesn't have to add, you know, like, it's great. We're talking about all these things that I am and other people and leaders and CEOs and titles of companies. That's all great, right? That pays the bills. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's enough to just say, I am. Yes. Beth, I think that that's a profound point on which to end our conversation for now. Uh, Obviously, I'd be very keen to direct people to the articles you've placed on LinkedIn. Uh, Some of your Forbes articles are very enlightening on this topic. So I'll put links of those in the podcast. Um, And I'll thank you very much for your time today. I will, in the next few episodes, be exploring Ayurveda and how that is a spiritual uh, meditation, a spiritual uh, practice and medicine can help people develop this side of themselves. Um, And that's going to be a very interesting mini-series I'll be producing soon. So that links into this notion of spirituality and care, self-care and self-love as well, being aware of who people are. So again, Beth, thank you very much for your time. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will stay tuned and I'm excited. I'll look forward to it um, and truly, really value what you're doing. Okay. Thank you, Beth. Take care. You too.